it is a time when we are seeking the Lord and asking for revival. We are asking God to speak to us anew and afresh. We are asking God to work in this place, in this congregation, and among us. It's good to see you here today. It's good to see the sanctuary continuing to to fill up. It's good to see new life uh, coming. Uh, So let's continue uh, to seek the Lord together during this season. We're going to... um, have a couple sermons on some hard sayings of Jesus. Uh, MJ is going to preach in two weeks. You don't want to miss that one. Uh, But this week and next week, and then uh, we're going to look at some sayings of Jesus that might push us a little bit, might make us think about, wow, am I stuck in my ways? Have I considered the cost? Where is God leading? So let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. And I want to invite you not to just sort of perfunctory, okay, prayer time, let's all bow our heads. Okay, he said, amen, I'm back. No, no, no. You pray. You in your heart ask the Lord to speak to you today. Let's pray together. Father, we speak to you, the God of the universe, the one who we reverence and awe because you are worthy of respect. You are worthy of fear. You are God. Who are we to come before you? And yet you call us close. Thank you for your son Jesus who made a way for us to be part of your family. So we can cry, Daddy, Father, Abba, and come into your presence. Lord, today we have one request. Speak to our hearts. God, revive your people. Make us new. Lord, help those who are really struggling today. We pray for those who are hurting, especially Christian and his family. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you have old things in your home? You know what I'm talking about, right? That stuff that you're supposed to, like, have cleaned out, but for some reason it continues to sit in the shed or in the basement or under the bed. My, my father-in-law had an old pickup truck that actually belonged to his dad. Now, this was a, like a 1980s-something old white Toyota pickup truck. And he continued to drive this truck because he preferred it. He liked it better than anything else. He liked it because he could roll down the windows. You, you remember roll down the windows? We still call it rolling down the window. But we don't actually do any rolling anymore. You know, we just push a button. Or maybe your car, we say... Window, go down. I'm, I'm thinking that's coming. Alexa, make my window go down. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that's coming, but it's going to irritate me because I, I, I like the buttons. But he preferred to roll down the window. He preferred the manual transmission. I don't think it had the old H transmission on the column. Does anybody know what I'm even talking about? Right? I don't think it was that. But it was an old pickup truck. It was, now, it wasn't driven that much. It only had, you know, 40,000 miles on it, even though it was 25 years old, 30 years old. The thing that bothered me the most about the pickup truck is that as we drove along the road, I could see the road through the floorboard. There were literal holes in the... He just would not give up this truck. Finally, finally, they just couldn't get parts for it anymore. I mean, it wasn't a major part, it just... They couldn't get parts for it anymore, and the duct tape and stuff just couldn't keep it together anymore, and he had to get a new truck. 
What do you do with those old things? Here's a picture of somebody took an old pickup truck and repurposed it and made it into a bed. I don't think I would uh, want that. Um, but perhaps you repurpose things. Maybe you just recycle and sell it for scrap metal. Maybe you're that hoarder type, right? You know, you just keep everything in the shed. You keep everything in the garage. What do we do with old things? <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Jesus encountered uh, a moment with some religious leaders of his day where they were asking, and Jesus was giving us some lessons about old things. Look at Luke chapter 5 with me, beginning in verse 33. They, these were the religious leaders, the they, the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of the day, came to Jesus and they said to him, Look, John's disciples, those were disciples of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin actually, uh, John's disciples, they often fast and they pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, the people who were trying to keep God's word. They're fasting, they're praying. But yours, they seem to go on eating and drinking. Hey Jesus, what's the deal here? What's the deal? The disciples of the Pharisees, they're our religious leaders. They're the most zealous. They're the most righteous. You know what they do? They have devoted times of prayer. Early in the morning, late at night. They're sitting aside entire weeks to pray. Hey, Jesus, the disciples of John, they're fasting. Now, some of us probably could use a little more fasting in our lives. But the disciples, they were fasting. Why aren't yours fasting? Why are yours eating, drinking? Why aren't your disciples spending more time in prayer? Why aren't you doing all the traditions that are supposedly these good spiritual disciplines that help, help people grow? Listen to what Jesus answered, verse 34. Jesus said, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days... They will fast. Okay. Uh, Jesus, we were talking about fasting and praying, and all of a sudden you switched to talking about weddings and stuff. I, I, Jesus, stay on topic here, buddy. Uh, we're trying to have a discussion. No, Jesus is answering the question. And he says, look, I'm here. I'm with my disciples right now. Prayer? They're going to be praying. They're going to be seeking my face. But right now, they don't have to because I am right here. They've got a question. I'm here to answer it. They want to know where we're going today? It's where I'm going today. Jesus was leading the way. Jesus was teaching his disciples. Jesus was there. The moment in all of the history of Israel had come to fulfillment, the history of the world had come to climax, the Messiah was there in their very midst. Did they need to seek out and really distract them, you know, get, get away from all the distractions of the world to focus on God? No, because Emmanuel was right there. God was in their midst. That's what Jesus' point was. But he has something to tell us. He has something to teach us. What can we learn about change? What can we learn from this passage about change? Well, here's the deal. The old ways are not wrong ways but the old ways might not be the right ways for the current moment and number three god's current activity should determine our present actions you're thinking wow pastor mike you should got a whole lot out of that one little passage yes i did thank you it was uh, 
but listen, look, it's pretty clear. Jesus was not saying that fasting and praying was wrong. In fact, it's a good spiritual discipline that we need in our lives to pray to the Lord, to seek His face, to have times of fasting. That's actually a good thing. But at that time, it was not the right action. We do this in the church, right? You know, those new songs, I don't know if I like those so much. You know, I like the good old, you know, the old ones. I'm not talking about Shine, Jesus, Shine from the 90s. I'm talking about the old ones. I mean, the ones that Martin Luther wrote. I want Fanny Crosby hymns. I want the old good stuff. Well, you know those new, those old songs, they just didn't have the same heart or feel or passion. Okay, we got in those debates. Did you experience those where we debated over which worship songs were the right worship songs? Okay, here's the deal. The old songs were not bad. They were written for the Lord. They are for His glory. And the new songs, also not bad. Written for the Lord. Written for His glory. The old ways are not bad. And the new ways aren't automatically better. And the new ways are not automatically better. And it, it No. We need both. And Jesus was teaching the fasting and praying and the old ways and the traditions that God had set down, the feast days, the fasting, the prayer. They were not bad. But in that moment, they weren't getting the job done. And in fact, God was doing something new. He was literally walking in their midst. The Son of God, the incarnate, uh, uh, very literal, physical presence of God was with them in their midst. And they needed to not worry about the fasting and praying right then. Jesus went on in that same passage in Luke chapter 5, and he tells them a new parable. He says, no one tears a piece of new of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they'll have torn the new garment, and the patch from the old uh, will not match the old. No one tears a patch from the new to patch the old. I thought about bringing in a pair of old jeans that I have that are completely torn up and bringing in like a nice, you know, suit coat or something, you know, right? Oh, do you cut up the the suit coat so that you can patch the old work jeans? You would say, absolutely not. You're going to ruin both. But I think the better example, if you flip to this next slide, you you, you know the patch. I don't know that you can see the one on the, on the, the tan one. Does anybody realize that there are different thicknesses of sheetrock? I didn't know that. So there was a hole at the church, and it was a big hole in the wall. And me and some of the college students thought, we're going to fix that hole in the wall. And fortunately, there was an old piece of sheetrock that was right there that we could just kind of cut and trim and put in there. Got a little plaster, and we tried to plaster it. But it didn't seem to level out very well. And we tried to have a lot of plaster. And we were trying to get it pretty far. But it still looked like a big bump in the wall. Does that, does that make sense? We were a mission team. And so we were trying to help out a little mission church. I heard from the, the pastor later. He said, yeah, the next t- mission team came in and fixed your fix. Because <laughs> it just didn't fit. It just didn't match. It just didn't go. I think what Jesus is teaching us about change is that we need to be ready when God is at work, when God is doing new things. Sometimes what we prefer, the way we think we know how to get it done, the things that we thought might not fit. But 
but you don't understand, Mike. We remember. They trained us how to do Sunday school. Okay, good. It's not that those ways are wrong, but they might not fit in this next moment. But, but this is how we used to do Tuesday night visitation as a church. Got it? That was cool. It was good. It might not fit in this current culture. But this is the way we used to do our worship services. I, I, I got it. But what is God doing now? Where is Jesus leading us now? It's not that the old ways are wrong or bad. It's just they might not fit in this current situation. That also goes for the new ways, too. Just because it's like new and trendy and hip and cool and, oh, this is awesome. Uh, Yeah, that might not fit for this place. Somebody was telling me recently about painting a sanctuary all black because they had to make it black and smoke machines and lights. And I thought... I don't know. I kind of like the nice windows we've got. I don't want to, you know, I don't know that I want the complete dark room. But that might not fit here just because it's new and because it's trendy. It might not be the right patch for this place. We need to be in step with God's Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with with the Spirit. We as believers are not just stagnant. We are those who are filled with God's presence. We are those who have to walk in the leadership of the Lord in everything. So we will all have lots of ideas about what to do next. We need to know God's mind. Lord, where are you leading? What do you want to do next? So let's look at that question. What's next for Valley Baptist Church? There's two stories in the Old Testament about God taking care of the food needs of people. One comes in the book, you see it in Exodus, you see it in Numbers. Uh, But in the Old Testament, Moses was a man who God used to bring over a million people out of slavery. Those million people, because of their disobedience to God ended up spending 40 years on a camp out. Now, I, I, I like camping. I don't know if you're one of the camping types of people. I like it for about a day and a half. Then I want a shower. I like the cooking out, you know, whatever. I got the little stew that I made or the hot dogs or something over the campfire. That's a lot of fun. S'mores, lots of fun for about a day. Then I'm wanting a restaurant. You know, then I'm wanting something. I want Red Robin. You know, I don't want my. I want something that, that, that's a little bit better. I shouldn't do advertising, but you know, restaurants over here. Um, Szechuan is pretty good too. If you haven't tried the new one, um, I, I want something better than my little hot dog that I cooked out of the flame. I like sleeping on the ground for a night. For a night, then I prefer the mattresses. Right? Anybody with me? Forty years in the desert. In the middle of that, God did an incredible thing. Where do you get food for over a million people for 40 years? Every day they got up and there was what was called manna. The literal translation of manna is what is it? Manna. (laughs) What is that stuff? For 40 years, they saw the visible presence of God provide for their needs. Every day they got the manna from heaven. Every day they boiled it or they baked it or they cooked it or they did something with it and ate the manna from God. Hey, what's for lunch today? Manna. 
How about breakfast tomorrow? Manna. Dinner? Manna. How about next year? Manna. How about year 39? Manna. I mean, okay, after a while, I think I would be going a little crazy. But it was God's provision for them. It worked for them. It took care of them. It took care of them for 40 years. Fast forward to Jesus. Fast forward to Jesus. 1,400 years or so later, um, Jesus is with 5,000, over 5,000 people on a hillside with nothing to eat. A young boy has a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. Jesus multiplies that and feeds 5,000. Still God's provision? Absolutely. A different provision? Absolutely. Which is better? The manna or the fish and chips? I don't know, I think I'd like the fish. But, but you know, I mean, manna's good too. God, w- w- which one? The next day, it was interesting. The people in John chapter 6 ran around to Jesus, and they asked Jesus to give them manna. They were like, look, Jesus, Moses gave manna in the wilderness. We want to see you do that trick. We want that old miracle that we heard about it. We want the old ways. We, we want it the way that, that we'd heard about in the stories. And in John chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus replies to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. My brothers, my sisters, my friends. Valley Baptist Church in this moment needs true bread from heaven. Not just what we think we need. Not just what we used to have. Not just something new because it seems trendy or good. But we need true bread from heaven. The people thought, okay, sounds good. Verse 34. So they said, sir, okay. They said, always give us this bread. We'll take the new bread. We'll take this whatever, this bread from heaven. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the true bread from heaven. During these days, these are days of anxiety, days of worry, days of apprehension, days of what's coming, what's going to happen next, how's this going to work out. I don't know. And let me just go ahead and say, I don't know. But I know what I need. I need the presence of Jesus in my life every day. I need for Jesus to be leading the way amongst his people. I need Jesus to be speaking to us. Now, if we're sort of like ignoring God's word, if we're sort of ignoring our time with him, if we're sort of ignoring that prayer time, maybe for me even ignoring the fasting time, but if we're ignoring all of those things, how are we expecting to truly hear from the Lord? If we can't make the time to gather as his people to consider what it is to be a church, if we can't take the time to pray for this congregation, if we can't take the time to ask the Lord, how are you going to use me in the lives of a neighbor or a colleague this week? If we're not taking the time to ask God, where are you moving? How are we expecting him to move? We need the true bread from heaven. Jesus is that bread of life. So what do we learn from Jesus about this moment? This moment. Well, I hope you figured out this point. Valley Baptist Church needs Jesus' leadership and his provision in this moment. It's probably not going to be exactly what we had before. It's probably not going to be manna. It might be 
a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. It might be really, really different, but we need his leadership and we need his provision in this moment. It means that we're going to be a little uncomfortable. It means that things might not be exactly what we thought. It means that our expectations might be pushed over a little bit. It's almost as if Jesus was anticipating this conversation in Luke chapter 5 because he goes on to say this. Verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, i got to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about wine. Some of you guys might be you know more a lot about that. And I certainly know, I thought oh, there were wine bottles, I had wine skins I, I wasn't too familiar with. But in biblical times, wine was often kept in skins, right? These would just be animal skins. And you know enough about alcohol and those kinds of things to know that it goes through a fermentation process, right? And in the fermentation process, the wine expands. So it works okay in certain kinds of, you know, that uh, for the, where the wine can expand. But old wine skins couldn't stretch. The new wine skins could. The, the, the skins, the leather still had a little bit of give to it, right? So it could stretch with the wine. But you put brand new wine that hasn't gone through the fermentation process into an old wine skin where the skin has already stretched to its maximum, it's going to burst. And what happens? The skins are ruined and the wine runs out and it's gone. So in verse 38, Jesus is clear. New wine must be poured into new wine skins. That's pretty easy for us to handle. Okay. Next time I'm making some of my own home brew and getting some wine skins, I'll know what to do. I'm not going to do that because I think it's probably illegal and <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do it anyway. But here's the deal. New wine skins need, new wine needs new wine skins. Valley Baptist needs new wine. You realize that, right? That some of us are older, some of us are thinking, okay, how do, what is my role here? We need new wine. There has to be a fresh movement of God's Spirit. Valley needs new wine. We need a new movement of God. We need to see new people coming to Christ. We need to see new leaders emerging. We need to see new things happening. That's just part of what life is about. It's about some new things happening. But that requires something of us who have been here a while. And that's really not me because I'm pretty new. But that requires something of you all who have been here something for a while. You have to be ready for new wineskins. That means things might have to change. Leadership modes might have to change. Teaching styles might have to change. Musical styles might have to change. There are a lot of things that may have to change. And we have to put it all at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, lead the way whatever you want to do. I can't have it my way. I've got to allow there to be new wineskins. Because if there's not new wineskins, then the new wine is just going to burst the old skins. There's a lot of different options for Valley Baptist going forward. There really is. But all of them will have that tension. And if we who have been here for a while are not the flexible new wineskins, if we're not willing for change to happen, there is going to be that explosion of conflict. 
Now, let me take a pause. Here's the deal. We're not talking about new doctrine. We've talked about a church as a church. We are a confessional people that believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died for sins, that he rose from the dead three days later, that he is coming back for us, and that he is our only salvation, that the Holy Spirit and God's Word guide us and transform our lives so that we become conformed to his image. That message never changed. That truth is never altered. That is God's will and God's plan. We are not talking about the wine of uh, uh, some kind of new wine of new ideas or new doctrines or new cultures or new whatevers, we are going to base and have to base our lives on the truth that God has revealed first and foremost in His Son, Jesus. But the methodologies, certain conceptualizations of how we do things, we got to be flexible. we got to be ready for the new wine, and so we've got to become new wineskins. We've got to be ready for things to change. We've got to be ready for things to adapt because new wine has to have new wine skins. It's not an indictment of the old. The old is not bad. The old just might not be what is for right now. Same with everything that is new or trendy. might not be the right thing for right now. Did you catch the phrase at the end? I'm going to ask the guys to back up one slide to verse 39, um, if they could. It says, and no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new. For he says, the old is better. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new, because they say the old is better. When I was younger, this verse confused me a lot. Because I'm like, don't we want those new experiences with God? Don't we want those new opportunities? Don't we want those days of refreshing? Yes, we do in theory. In theory, we all do. But the truth of the matter is, I like it my way. I like it the way that I grew up with. I like it the way... And when you start messing with the certain things, that's when I get uncomfortable. It's just like, I mean, old wine is supposedly better than new wine. I get it. Um, old soda is not, by the way. I, I have discovered that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but apparently for wine and cheese and things like that, the older it is, somehow the better it is. Okay. I, I, we just are more comfortable with the way things are. My father-in-law, he still wants to roll down the window. He can't find a car like that anymore. <laughs> they just don't make those. They, I don't, they, I mean, I, whoever made cranks for windows, that company went out of business, right? And there are no such things anymore. We have to be ready for new wine. We have to be new wine skins. This morning, we have a question. Actually, several. The first is for you personally. Are you a new wine skin? You see, every one of us is called to be born again. If you've never said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me for my sins, you're still the old person. You've not been made new. You've not been recreated by God. That's your first step. Would you say, Lord, make me new? I need that forgiveness. I need your Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be the new person. But for those of you who are believers... Those of you who have been Christians for a while, here's the question. Have our hearts become hard? 
Have we become a little bit more rigid in our thinkings, in our routines? Are we open to how God wants to move right now in my life? That might say, well, you know, I've got my devotion book that I read. No, 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 no. God's calling you to also do this. Well, I don't really do the fasting thing. Well, maybe we ought to for a moment. Well, you know, God, you know, those early morning prayer times, I, I kind of like to sleep a little later. I, I got to be honest, I've got my routine that I'm happy with. I need new wine. But that means I got to have the new wine skin of getting up earlier. Or I've got to have the new wineskin of spending more time in Scripture. Or I have to be the new wineskin that says I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. Because I just have to be ready for the new wine because it requires new wineskin. Where are you personally stuck? And finally, I ask this. Are we as a church ready to do whatever it takes Not compromising on God's word or his truth, but whatever it takes to say, Lord, this is your building. This is your church. We are your people. Have your way, whatever that means. Today, we're going to close with a couple songs. But as I do, I'm going to be up front. If you've never said yes to Jesus, as we stand and sing, I'm going to invite you to come and just come right up here and say, I want to say yes to Jesus. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Just come and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. If you hear the Spirit moving, don't say no. If you just need to say, I've been stuck. I've been stuck in a rut, and I'm making a commitment. I want to say, Lord, help me be new. You come. I'll come, and I'll pray with you. Or if you just want to come and pray at the altar, you come. You respond as Jesus is calling you. Aaron is going to come and lead us as we sing in this time of dedication.